0: But it was more about just getting them to believe. So that that was a, probably hadn't had a winning season in like 17 years. I mean, we had, it was a bad program, hadn't made the playoffs, hadn't had a winning season for a long time and, and just, just was struggling. And so I just think it's that individual relationship, creating confidence and belief within a person. And, and then it, it just, it, 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 spreads to the teeth, you know, and then you, then you start changing what you do. It's no different when I came to Indiana. It's just, how about this? I've been to, over my coaching career, 11 different schools. Eight any of those 11 schools have losing seasons you're fully got
1: there. Where can you turn when you're in pain? Turn to Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, where more high school, college, and pro athletes turn. Where your neighbors and weekend warriors turn. Where you'll get immediate access to expert orthopedic specialists, physical therapy, and imaging at 15 convenient locations throughout the greater Cincinnati area. When you're in pain, turn to Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine and get superior care on your schedule. Visit BeaconOrtho.com to schedule your appointment. That's the Beacon difference. Coach Allen, appreciate you taking time, man, uh, to join myself and Kyle here on the Underdog Podcast.
0: Well, Calvin, Calvin just so thrilled to be with you guys. and looking forward
2: to this. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Absolutely. We actually have to work on loving each other, us here, right here. We call Black and Decker, Calvin Blackman, Kyle Decker. And, uh, <laughs> we need some Leo, coach. You might have to help us out here.
0: <laughs> a Leo, no doubt.
1: We'll get it. We'll get it. Um, so let's get into what we believe um, are some of maybe your underdog moments um, early on. And then we'll kind of go through, you know, to your career and, and to present day. Uh, and I was doing some research and I came across a, an article from way back. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of set the scene and let you take it from there. Uh, I believe it was a Thursday, um, October 1993. You're a 23 year old assistant at Temple Heights High School. Um, the team is, I believe one 2 two second year head coach, Steve Lewis is asked to step down and focus on being the athletic director. You, however, are only, I think two years removed from college and you're thrust into the head coaching role, uh, on a Thursday and you guys have a game on a Friday night and I believe it just gotten blown out the game before. Um, what comes to mind when you think back to that day?
0: Yeah, wow, what a, what a uh, race of memories by mentioning that. You know, it was, it was a Thursday night. I was 23 years old, uh, second year coaching. Um, I was kind of blindsided by the, the meeting that I was asked to attend where they basically just told me what they uh, were planning to do. And, and, and as you mentioned, you know, the, the head coach was also the athletic director, which is kind of a new team dynamic. dynamic. They want him to focus on that, and they want me to take the team over as the interim head coach and, and we played, we played the next day, you know? So, uh and I was young, but I, I tell you what, you know, I, I've uh, been there, you know, I was my second year there. I knew the kids well. Uh We were off to a rough start and we had some kind of some off the field things too. One of our best players had just gotten ejected uh, from the previous week uh during that game and we got blown out. It was just, just a lot of stuff that wasn't going well. And so they just wanted to kind of separate some things and get the ship right. They felt like I, was the person to do it. Um, they saw something there, I guess. And and then I was, I was close with the kids and, and I believed in them. I thought we could be way better than we were we were at the time, and, but I never said anything. I was completely just, you know, I was the defensive coordinator that season. So I was calling the defense and, and I uh, was really kind of never expected anything. They had not talked to anybody about it. Uh, and they just said, this is what they want to do. So we do what we always do. We just uh, hold the team together and, Won the next game. You know, we did. We, we actually won that very next, the next night we played and, and got the kids to come together. And and here's the other thing that's kind of unique about the whole situation. Uh, one of the players was the, the head coach and A.D. son, you know, so he was part of our team. And, and at that place, we didn't have very many players. There was only probably 28 total from 9 through 12 on the whole team. It's a small 1A school. And, and so we just, you know, it's always been about relationships and about belief. me and uh, I believed in those kids and we rallied them and I didn't know what I was doing schematically. I promise you. <laughs> it was, uh, my dad was my high school coach. So you know I started, you know, I was running his defense from high school and, and the stuff that we did then. And, and so when I got you know, the head job, I just kind of started to line with him even more, but you know, it was just about belief. It was about, you know, letting these kids come together and, and then, and then we had an amazing off season and then ended up having a historic year, my first full year as head coach. And, and kind of the rest is kind of just taking off from there.
1: How did you figure that piece out of getting the team to come together? Because there's thousands of coaches out there. There's thousands of business owners and people who struggle with that. It's not something that comes natural. Where did that come from?
0: You know, I I think when you um, have a certain connection with your players, I think when they they know you really care about them, you know, I I think it it creates belief. It it creates – you know, there's a, I was, you know, when I was that age, you know, I, I lifted with the team. I ran with the team. I did everything with the team. You know, I was also the head wrestling coach at the school at the time. I wrestled with the guys, you know, in every practice and a lot of our players that played football wrestled, you know, so I was, I was with them. I mean, in the weight room with them, training with them, side-by-side side with them. Um, and and just trying to just dive into their lives. I guess that's probably what I did. I dove into their lives, you know, and, and uh, even though as you get older, you can't physically do that as much, although I still run three miles a day and, and lift and train and do all that stuff so I can coach with the energy I want to coach with. But it was more about just getting them to believe. So they, that was a program – I hadn't had a winning season in like 17 years. I mean, we had, it was a bad program. hadn't made the playoffs. hadn't had a winning season for a long time and, and just was, was struggling. And so I just think it's that individual relationships, creating confidence and belief within a person, and, and then it, it just it, – it, it spreads to the team you know, and then you, then you start changing what you do. It's, it's no different when I came to Indiana. It's just, how about this? I've been to over my coaching career, 11 different schools. Eight of those 11 schools have losing seasons year before we got it, Okay. And so it's just kind of been ever since that first situation, every place we've gone, we've, we've usually gone to places that were struggling and for whatever reason, it's just kind of the way it worked out. And I didn't seek those out. It's just kind of how it worked out. And so, but those were opportunities. You know, it gave me a chance to be a young head coach in that place. I guarantee you most places wouldn't have taken a chance on a 23 year old kid. that didn't know what he was doing. Uh, but uh, I will say this, those players believed, And then I used the phrase dare to believe that was our theme for the 2000, or excuse me, the 1994 season, which was the very next year. And I got a ball system office from that team that they all signed. says dare to believe on it. We made the playoffs for the first time in 17 years. And, and then it just kind of took off from there. So, to me, it's about creating that belief with relationships at the core, diving their lives and care about them more as a person and as a football player.
2: Yeah. I think something, a quote that defines you, that one of, I think the the most recent uh, coach at Ben Davis, Mike Kirshner said, they don't care. They don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. Uh, and you lived that when you guys uh, were together. So I think love, and you hear that now, right? Watching all the pieces on IU football in the recent years and congrats on all your recent success. You know, becoming the the coach of the year, I think it's American Football Coach Association's coach of the year doesn't happen by just circumstance. So loving, obviously, how do you, um, you know, you, you go into these places and love up on them. And then when you love them, I think, like you said, you're able to coach them up, right? Because they, they know you care. And so you're able to get the best out of your players. Is there any other strategies? Because I think that's important. Because a lot of people right now, I think there's so much uh, lack of love out in this universe, right? Uh, lack of empathy, maybe a lack of uh, a lot of different things. And uh, any any other words of advice for someone uh, on our underdog platform? How to love yeah, better? I, I think, guess
0: you know. I really, I, I've tried to take a step back and look, and especially now that kind of you get to the point where you just see this pattern of you know, we've gone to high school. Small schools, big schools, small colleges, major colleges, and, and it's all been the same. You know, it's been kids struggling to believe, struggling to have confidence, and you build that confidence, build that belief, and then something really special happens with the team. But but I, so that's why, I was, and that's why LEO, I, I didn't always call it LEO even in the beginning, but I lived it. And that was relationship building. And that was the players knowing in their heart that you really care about them. Because here's what happens, I think, so much high school, especially in college, there just becomes this feeling of, and I'm just being used to win games, okay? And, and and there's a means to an end to all of this, to where, hey, you know, and as long as I'm playing good and things are going good in the sport, then I get treated a certain way. But then if I'm not playing good, then I get put on the shelf, you know, and I, and I get put off to the side because, well, that guy, he's not as good as I thought he was, so now I'm going to forget about him and go focus on this other guy. And, and I get it. Playing time has to be based on that because your performance is going to determine your playing time, but not your value. And that, to me, I think, is the key separation. they got to know that their value, who they are as a person, okay, that is not dependent upon their performance. And that's hard to do sometimes as a coach because, you know, we all know we're judged, that scoreboard judge. But you know what? I learned a long time ago. I wasn't going to let that scoreboard define you. And I, I believe – that you can build a special team. I believe you can build uh, an environment where there is true, genuine concern and love for the guys around you, coaches included. And that's player to player, player to coach, coach to player. It's all woven. But if that scoreboard becomes the driving force, I think everything gets skewed. Because I think when you put the individuals and their your concern for them ahead of the scoreboard and ahead of their ability to perform for you, and you dive into their lives and you help them become the men they're created to be, I think the scoreboard takes care of itself. Especially in this sport of football, because it's the greatest team sport out there. You can't just have one or two good guys. You got to have a good team. The best teams win on game day, not the best group of individuals. So I, I think it's probably a good marriage of, of what this sport's all about, and, and then you connecting with kids individually. And by say, well, here's the part that people don't, they misunderstand about Leo, and that is these relationships take time. okay? this is not something that just can be because you can't fake it. I mean, they got they know it's action when your words match who you say you are, your actions match those words, and you prove it to these players every day, especially with toughing. What i found is when things go wrong, or life hit the kid hard, or tragedy strikes, that's when LEO comes to the surface. Think about the pandemic. I mean, we're just being who we are In the end, I've been teaching and preaching LEO for years. We, we talked about my first year as head coach. When the pandemic hit, it gets pressed to the forefront. Why? Because you're talking about you know, not just the health issues. You're talking about the racial injustice issues that our whole country is going through. And, and L.E.O. comes to the forefront. Why? Because it's real. It's genuine. It's about concern for the heart of the person. Okay. Not based on the color of their skin, not based on their socioeconomic background, not based on anything else. It's because I choose to love you and love the choice. And so if all that stuff together to me, it's proving that you care about them and that your words, are real and that is genuinely a concern for them as a person and not them helping you look
1: good as a coach. What is your perception or what is your, how do you approach a kid who um, may not think that this is the right place for him um, and may want to leave? Or I've heard coaches say, you know, my fifth string running back is not as important to me as my, f- as my first string running back, because I, we know he's not going to be on the field and whatnot. So what are your? how do you approach a situation when you hear something like that?
0: Well, first of all, to address what you said at the end there, I mean, I think that's that's where this breaks down. I mean, to me, the fifth string guy, you know, think about this. So all those videos you saw on the locker room after our games last year, okay, there's 125 guys in that locker room. Only half of those guys played. Okay, I mean, Think about that. Only half of those guys even got in the game, all right? Yet you thought that every single guy in that locker room Okay, did something on that game. Well, you know what? Because they did. Because everybody has value in this program. Whatever your role is, Okay, whether you're the fifth string running back or the guy that scored three touchdowns at running back. And and I think that's the key. Now, the second part of your question was about if a kid, you know, hey, if, if a guy decides that this isn't the best place for him, I'm not going to hold it over his head. Now, here's what I say, though. I want you to be a man and come to me and sit down and talk this thing through face-to-face, man-to-man. Because I want to teach them how to handle difficult situations. Don't just walk away. Don't talk to anybody. Put your name in the portal, and then adios. Okay, that's not how you handle it. Because when you're a grown man, and you have issues on your job one day. That's not going to help you. Okay, that's going to cost you that job and future jobs. Okay, so it doesn't mean that I'm going to shame them into staying here. I mean, if they if they feel like another place is there for them, I'm not going to make them stay here. But I want them to do it the right way. Because, unfortunately, the system is set up to where you can literally never have to come to me. Because, you know what? I get it. I'm sure the NCAA think a lot of coaches get kids in their office, shame them, and make them feel this or whatever. And then it's a negative situation. I'm like, God, I want you to come to me. My door is open. Okay? I'm going to love you. Because here's the thing. It's not about playing time here. Okay? Your value is not about playing time. Okay? But if you want to play more, you're not going to get enough players. And you want to go somewhere else to do that? I'm okay. Just be a man and come to me and let's sit down and talk it through. And then we can...
1: I'll do anything to to help you be successful, wherever that might be. Love it, love it. Yeah. So let's transition. Um, Your career started out in Florida uh, at the high school level, and then you get to come home to to Indiana, uh, and and you took over. uh, You know, you went to Ben Davis, uh, defensive coordinator, head coach, and and had some championships there and a lot of success. Um, Can you talk about what that meant? to come home to Ben Davis and be able to coach there at a powerhouse who we lost to in 7-on-7 seven seven, numerous times in high school at Miami University because Ben Davis would show up and they'd say, Ben Davis is here playing inside the big stadium. you got to get enough wins to get in there and go play them, and you go in there and you lose. So just want to throw hey, is that, that in there. Is that RJ, was R.J. Corbin? <laughs> well, R.J. Corbin was on that okay. team. Yes, he yeah, was. Yeah, we have <laughs> R.J. I was a, a defensive
2: coordinator
0: when R.J. was playing. So <laughs> yeah.
2: Was, I so was
0: called the defense in those no seven on
2: seven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he he uh, he said that. So he he uh, former teammate of ours and works with us. So he said to say hello, but uh, I texted him this morning and I said, uh, "Did Coach Allen uh, coach you at, at Ben Davis?" He said, "He sure did." So, um, you okay. know, he, hey, he oh
0: RJ now. He was fast.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah, yep. yeah. He's not running a, a four or five forty anymore. No, he's not. <laughs> so <laughs> neither neither my <am> so. <laughs> Oh goodness, yeah he uh, he says hello. But the, I think what we're seeing that stuff, and we've watched some highlights at Ben Davis, as you, as people can tell that know you, where whether you were at a small high school or a big high school or small college, like you said, the Tom Allen is the Tom Allen. You see what you get, and I think that's a a genuine trait um, that everyone should know. Um, how did you, going off of the success at Ben Davis, like you said, a, a really renowned national program, let alone in the state of Indiana, transition from college or from high school to college?
0: Well, it's interesting because I've always said, you know, when I went to Ben Davis, that was where everything changed in terms of uh, my view of even wanting to maybe be a college coach. You know, it wasn't like I would have said, you know, man, my lifetime dream was to be a college coach. I, I can't sit here and say that, you know. And so um, I – I had a chance to work for Dick Golehan, who was and is one of the greatest high school coaches in the, in the country. You know, and he was our head coach. He hired me as a DC. I was there for six years as a DC coordinator, and that's when RD was there with us. And, and you're right; we always went to Miami every year for their seven on seven. And uh, I remember many of those days. It was awesome. But uh, so I was there, and he's the one that pulled me aside. After I was there for two years, and he, and, and after year number two, we won another state, state championship. We didn't win it my first year They We won the second year there, went undefeated, and really, Coach kind of was one of those years where we really weren't supposed to yet. We had a really young team, and but everything just came together. And so, anyway, he, we had a postseason evaluation with with Coach Olihan as assistant, and he said, he said, "Coach, you need to coach college." And he just felt like I was wired for it. He felt like he had, I had the passion for it, I had the energy for it, I had the, the mindset for it, I had the, the, the defensive mind. So, and you know what? That, but that I always kind of thought about it. And so, and you got to think about it, place plays like Ben Davis, every school comes through there. So how about this? Every single head coach that hired me in college, I met when I was coaching Ben Davis, where they came through as an assistant or as a head coach collegiately, because everybody came through those doors to recruit our players. And so that's really where I had a lot of relationships being built, you know, where Willie Taggart, when he was at West Kentucky, and Hugh Freeze was at Ole Miss, and Chris Creighton was at at Wallback at the time, and even, even when... Uh, Um, You know, Kevin Wilson was at Miami, you know, when we I was at Ben Davis, and that's where he was coaching on that staff there, and Coach Hepp was on that staff when Coach Walker was there. So all those things, and so it's just uh, those Ben Davis years were very formative. And then when I became the head coach, and I'll say this to this day, I mean, that opportunity to head coach Ben Davis, we had, I mean, hundreds of young men in our program. I had 16 paid assistants, okay, from ninth grade to 12th grade, okay. And, and we had a, a, a cadet program from kindergarten through sixth grade. And I was over in all the middle schools and all. So we're talking hundreds of players and coaches that had to organize all that. So to me, it was a great preparation to be a college football coach. And now that there's differences for sure, but I, I felt like that time really shaped me. So then, you know, I, I started, uh, you know, having that desire to maybe want to go take the next step. And so I sent out resumes and, and letters, and just that Coach Gohan sat down with me and said, hey, I, I told him I was ready to do this about two years before I made the jump in 97, and so we he, he was the catalyst for that whole process, you me to be able to to take advantage, but here's the thing, though, so I, I had all that, and I said all these things out, but really, nobody really had any opportunities, you know, so they're, they're all great, oh, that's awesome, you know, we'll do anything to help you, but no job, you know, so, but Chris Creighton out of nowhere called me up and said, hey, I hear you've been going to college, and and uh, I got a, a deep in the back position open and especially coordinator and love to see you come in. And so, but it was once again, Ben Davis, high school opportunity created those relationships that the good Lord used in the future that allowed me to be able to coach Billy Joy.
2: Yeah, I think it just shows the quality of coaches. And as I mentioned before, we do. Uh, this is powered by Chatterbox Sports, who covers high school sports here in Cincinnati. But if you really look at the talent we have in Cincinnati, likes of like a Tom Bolden at Lakota West High School, Steve Speck at St. X. The names go on and on. Nate Mahan at, at Hamilton. Some really good high school football coaches in the state of Ohio, Indiana. And it just shows you, you know, but I know, I guess to go off of that, those guys have the desire sometimes that trajectory that, like yourself or defensive coordinator Kerry Combs at, at Ohio State have, you have to go and, and, and make less money, right? You took less money, and you, oh, t- you had seven moves in ten years, right? So you have to kind of, at times, potentially take a step back, right, then to get back on that trajectory to go forward.
0: Well, and that's the part that cause I've had, as you, as you can imagine, you know, when you get, you know, I'm a 15-year high school coach, and now I'm the head coach in the Big Ten, and people say, hey, I want to do what you're doing. You know, I said okay. There you go. Uh, that's great, and I, and I and I respect that. I said, but I said I had to leave Ben Davis and go be a Division three assistant. Okay, take you know basically half your pay, you know, and go down to go back up, you know. And it's not down as in a. Demo. I'm just saying it. You have to. You, you can't go. It's rare to go. You know. Yeah, I'd have loved to leave Ben Davis and come to the Big Ten and be an assistant on the field. Okay. That does not happen very often. It does happen every now and then. That's rare. Okay. So I went to Division three, not as a coordinator on offensive or defense, not as a head coach, but as a DB coach. Okay. Coordinating special teams. And that's what started. And I was willing to do that. But here's the thing my wife, she is the key. All right. Because she made more than I did. Because she was a school teacher. And then we went on to Lambeth and had situations there where we didn't get paid for a while because the school had issues financially. And just oh, I mean, small college coaching, there's not much money in that in that profession. There's just not. And and that's just the way it is. And so, you know, that was like you said, it was those moves, those moves are hard. I mean, that's you talk about, you know, we had three young kids and Thomas plays for us right now. Well, he was in the second grade when we left Ben Davis. Okay. So all those those seven states in ten years and he did that from second grade till senior in high school. Okay. And our daughters, same thing. All of our kids went to high school. Okay. All of our kids moved in the middle of the year multiple times. You know how hard it is to make friends in the middle of the year? Okay. You know, they're fortunate to be two or three were athletes, and so they had the immediate friend base of athletes and some coaches' families as well. But still, those moves were hard. And it was my heart my wife. And honestly, before you get to a higher level, those are U Haul moves. Okay. You're you're packing the U Haul. You or somebody is packing the U Haul. They're not moving for you. The Wallback, Lambeth, to Drake, to Arkansas State. You know, we got the old miss. They they paid for those moves, but that was, and honestly, that was the first place we got to where we literally, if we got to where we lost all of our equity in our houses. Cause I, I did not want our little kids to live in an apartment temporarily, so we kept buying and selling homes. When you start buying and selling homes once every year or so, you're gonna lose a ton. We, we lost all of our money, and so by the time we got to, to old Miss, it was like all we had was where we're getting paid that month, you know. And so it's just my wife's amazing, and I couldn't have done it without her. And and so yeah, there's a lot of sacrifice it has
1: taken to get where we are. That's what makes it even more special. to be
0: honest.
1: With you. Yeah, for sure. Man, so God, God love her. No doubt. Yeah. So yeah. I want no to, I want to get to, um, to, to IU because I heard a quote doing all the research. One thing you said when you got there, um, and I think it was after maybe two bowl appearances or whatnot, you said, I'm tired of being close. And for those of us who have followed the big 10, we know IU, you know, due as of the last 20 years you know they, they always rank the schools as kind of the first tier big 10 schools and then the second tier and I learned that when I was coaching I went to recruit a kid in Indianapolis and they said he's going to a second tier school like an IU and I was and that always kind of just affected me a little bit differently but can you talk about that tired of being close what that statement meant and then how you were able to transition and change the mindset of not only the players, but just the entire university.
0: Yeah. You, you, you say a critical thing and that's to change the mindset. Okay, and It's not just the coaching staff, it's the players, it's the administration, it's just the leadership, it's everybody. Okay, And so to me, um, when I got here, you know, that was the whole objective was we've got to create belief. Okay. And we've got to change the expectations all right, of Indiana football, you know, and, and so to me, like you said, everybody kind of decides we based on our history where we fit in the hierarchy of the Big Ten, okay, and I get that. I, I understand there's a lot of past successes that help, you know, set that up, but those are, those are preset things that somebody else has come up with, okay, so my whole thing was when I got here, I'm like, I want to blow all those things up, okay. I don't want us just to be put in a box that somebody else decides, can and can't do so this is what I did when I first got here okay so on the three by five card this is, I was not the head coach I was DC okay I said I had to figure out 60 guys on defense all right in our defensive meeting room and I passed out three by five cards to every single kid before the season started and I said I want you guys to write down what you think our record is going to be this year okay and that's easy because it's just uh you know you say you play 12 games or eight and four ten and two you know whatever whatever number might come up with 12 okay and so I said, okay, now, now you guys have done that, I said, uh, if you put down eight and four, write down the four teams we're going to lose to. They looked at me like, seriously? I said, yeah, write down the team. I said, don't put your name on it, because I want to know exactly what you think, okay, of who we're going to lose to. All right? And so they did. And I said, pass them up. So I collected all six of those cards, because I wanted to know, okay, who these guys thought we were going to already lose to before we ever played the game, okay? So I pulled them out. I said, okay, guys, as I'm looking through these right here, I said, we play Michigan State at home. When we play Michigan State this season, okay, stay in your dorm room. I don't want you anywhere around me. You already have us down as a loss. You don't believe. Stay in your room. I, I said, okay, guys, we when we play Ohio State, because a bunch of them had that on there, I said, we go to Columbus this year, okay? Stay home. Don't get on the bus if you don't believe. And I didn't have to go any further than that. But it proved a point to me. They already had in their mind who they thought we could be and who we thought we couldn't be. Okay? And so to me, I had to just basically tear up those preconceived notions. I get it. You got to prove it on the field. But before there's a reality, there's a mentality. If you don't believe in yourself, why should anybody else? So to me, that's where it all began. We had to change the mentality of our football team. Okay. We had to change the mentality of our administration to believe that we can actually compete for a big 10 championship. I get it. We haven't won one since 1967. Okay. That's a long time. I wasn't even born yet, let <laughs> alone any of my players. Okay. So I get that. I get the understanding of that, but I, I, I wanted to destroy all that because if we don't believe we got no chance, it's already hard enough. Okay. So we just start whittling away and all those lack of belief. And then you start changing the way that you, invest in football. So I spent time talking to our administration. And you got to, we can't be thinking like a Mac school here. We'll be thinking like a a top 10 Big Ten program that's competing for Big Ten championships. That's how I want us to think here and how we invest in football. So that's our facilities. That's our how we support our coaches. How we, you know, just invest in this program and nutrition and all these different things. So it's been a very systematic, gradual process of finding players, coaches and administration that believe in us and want to help us this thing to a high level so i could talk for hours about that right there but that to me is where it all
2: begins and, and just to conclude like to to put that in perspective one of my best friends and i don't know if you would have crossed paths chris shula uh if he was the year before with coach wilson he was a ga at iu i think i was there in 15 or 14 and it did feel because we played in the mid-american conference and almost felt like a mac like what you went in and took over as dc then into the head coach like to put it in perspective i remember being at uh, IU-Minnesota game when Chris Shula was the GA there, I think when Coach Wilson was was uh, either just started or, or what have you. I can't remember the exact years, but it was like Minnesota was in town and it was like a quarter full and it felt like we were in uh, at Jaeger Stadium in Miami <laughs> of Ohio. And the fact that uh, it, amazing exercises like that note card and changing that mentality, Coach, I'll tell you, I was there. And it it's, it's amazing because I was seeing like our, our old f- – former coach Hep's Rock and seeing the Wilk that that weight room the facilities were great but then it was just the atmosphere the belief the passion there's nothing and so obviously you becoming be you know starting with love and then creating that mentality has obviously been in a in a crazy and then you beat this guy's team of Michigan thank you by the way uh really appreciate that um, you know, anytime that you can make this guy cry is is, is very good. When
1: I use competitive, though, when I, when which they have been, it makes everything better. You know what I mean? And they're at that right. point now where you yep. don't you turn on an IU game now and it's like you don't you you you, you don't know what's gonna happen. I now mean, you used to say. As coach said, you know, there was the, that mentality. So to your point, yeah. It beat the Wolverines and continue continue to dominate and do what you're doing in the Big 10 because again, it's
2: just going to make it for much more interesting for everyone else. So in coach the the Leo in recruiting, have you seen that like that like all the things of your locker room and and all that energy? Are you seeing obviously a lot more engagement on the recruiting uh trail? I know that how important that is.
0: Yeah, there's no question, because I I think here's the thing. So, you know, a few years ago, we were talking about what we believed we could do, all right? But it was all about getting the kids to buy into a vision of what we could do. Now, we're showing them video clips of games. We're showing video clips of post-games. We're showing clips of us, what we're, you know, talking to our team about, you know, after we just did some of those things. And we now have evidence of what we've done on the field uh, instead of what we are going to do on the field and so yeah i think that's a huge part of it and also i, I think that there's a there's a, a major um you know desire for individuals to want to be in that kind of environment you know but it's all about fit so we, we can't we, we stay true to who we are we, we find coaches and players that fit with our culture and, and the leo culture to me is is about finding a young man that truly doesn't care just the credit because it's not about him okay and that goes to coaches and players alike, and support staff, and street staff, everybody. Because those are the two phrases we use after we talk about LEO. And that is, we don't care get it's correct, it's not about me. Well, you know, that's easy to say, but that's hard to live out, okay? because But here's the beauty of that whole thing. When you buy into that, and you put the team first, and the team does well, who gets recognized? The individual. So it has an amazing way of, if you do it the right way, your team does better, and we got a record number of players make all Big Ten in the 2018 season and now the 2020 season. We broke the record in 2018, broke it again in 2020. Why? Because the team's done well, individuals have gotten recognized. Lovely. Yeah,
2: and that's in, awesome. In, in, in Riley Decker companies listen to Coach Allen because that's the same way in business. Yeah. I'm like, I yeah. tell people all the time, your, your center, your profit center wins. Everybody wins. Yep. Don't worry sure. about you as an individual. It's incredible how selfishness – then this, it, it just, like you said, that it negativity.
0: Kills selfishness kills the team. In business, it it. in any organization, in a family, yep. and in football. It's all the same.
2: Love yeah, I know yeah, that's uh, rapid. We're well, good. Yeah, we get to last. I know we're, we're going a little over time here, but we have a couple rapid fire questions. That's okay. Calvin okay. usually comes up with these. They don't look too hot. I think you gave Coach Allen a, a nice uh, cool seat. So we'll see here. <laughs> <laughs> Let
1: it rip. Yeah. Um, so I hear you were uh, a punter in college. Is that correct? I did punt, yes. So you have a special – I guess I just want to talk a little bit, I guess, about your uh, – Hey, what's, your, what's wrong with special teams? Your special appreciation for punters. Okay. I just thought well, it was I thought interesting.
0: I was a punter with a nick roll, okay, Cause I was a linebacker. <laughs> okay,
1: okay, okay. So okay. I had a
0: nick roll on, and I also kicked field goals and kicked off in high school, and I kicked a few two field goals in college. So, yeah, but I, I was – that's why I said, yes, I punted but I was a linebacker with the Knicks role that
2: punted. Which, <laughs> that is great. And he was a wrestler. Yeah. So you imagine like – And
0: I was well, a wrestler.
2: Yeah, well, just well, a tough dude that's out there punting.
1: Speaking of, speaking of being a linebacker, do you know where you rank all time in tackles and tackles for loss in your college history? I, I said no. Humble guy. I like it. So you're sixth in tackles and you're eighth for tackles for loss in school history.
2: There you go. See? All right. <laughs> so, what What was your guys' mascot out of curiosity? I, I don't know, when Marantha Baptist. Well, we, University were, we, Wisconsin. we were the
0: Crusaders when I was there. Okay. So, they were the Crusaders, and I think they came the to change the Saber Cats here and got into that, you know, when they changed mascot thing. So, okay.
1: Yeah. All right. All right. How about number three? Um, I think we could use some advice from Kyle. Yeah.
2: So, a little advice for, for Kyle and Calvin here. You know, obviously, we talked about your wife, Tracy. You guys met in college, I believe. What is the secret to success? for marriage that you can uh, put upon the the underdog podcast nation? How have you sustained excellence in marriage?
0: I think a a great a secret to success in marriage is to have two good forgivers. I think that's the key. You got to be able to forgive each other because um, you hold grudges, you take things too personally, you hold things over them and, and you're not willing to forgive, forget about past whatever it is, you know, I think it creates a lot of uh, animosity, but it's, it's LEO, you know, that's what makes it a beautiful thing. I mean, it's, it's a commitment. It's a choice. It loves a choice, you know? So you choose to accept them for who they are and you love them for who they are, regardless of all the work that we have, especially once you get to know somebody, you know, that we're all going to have things that, uh, that uh, aren't pretty, you know, but that's what love is. It's, 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 un- it's unconditional and it's a choice.
1: Gotcha. Nice. Amazing. All right. Two more. Real quick, um, I know you and your wife are avid avid readers. Um, yep. What's a book? What would you say is one book that's had a huge influence on you, or you maybe have gifted to someone else?
0: I tell you what, The Traveler's Gift um, by Andy Andrews. That's one that I've, for years, have used uh, leadership principle wise, but it's, it's, it's like it tells a story. Uh, but uh, got it years ago, uh, used it to build a, a, a lesson for our team off of. When I first got here in DC, I used them here. I've given his gifts to our staff. It's just, it's not one that many people have heard of, but it's a great book. I mean, I am a huge reader. It just drives all my ideas, all different things. John Gordon, a huge John Gordon reader and his books. And, you know, he's been amazing for me. His one word book's been awesome. And he uses a big crux of our program and and just a lot of principles of how you build a team. So, yeah, The Traveler's Gift, interesting book. A lot of neat principles in there about life.
2: Okay. Yeah. I love The Energy Bus by John Gordon. This one's not on here. I got one sliding question here. So you just hired a former UDP alumnus, uh, Dylan McCullough, good friend of ours, been great. We couldn't pry out any information about any former player. I all have good things to say about you. But I do gotta say, he's got one house full of great athletes. And I know one's committed somewhere else, but he got so are you just like saying, All right, I don't need to recruit very far. I'm just gonna go to the McCullough household, sit at the <laughs> dinner table and just not letting the kids out of the house until they commit. What's going on? I mean, is there something there?
0: He's got a yes. Yeah. You're right. He's got three boys, and they're all three Division one football players, and then he's got a little one. And who knows? He's only five, but but yeah, how about that? I mean, wasn't amazing? I tell you what, though, his 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 wife must have been one heck of an athlete. To
2: <laughs> Touche! So, I love so, it.
0: He's, he's, uh, and she, she's tall, you know, so that's great. But uh, I, all his boys are all bearing is already. Yeah, I
2: mean? yeah. I saw the family no, picture of him. him. Yeah, we were laughing. We we're giving a hard time. It was like. Coach Coach McCullough Deland and then it was like all the kids and his wife. Step they're like step. this is this is incredible. Like this is and you just have to pay for college. You know, it's incredible. Like I I mean, I got two kids, one on the way. I'm like, man, I would love you. you got three kids. I mean, obviously you got your boy there at IU, but it's like, man, it'd be great just to go go like he's like gonna be five for five. He's gonna get them all. But uh anyway, we got one last question that we always ask the guests.
1: All right, so last one, Coach, and we'll let you get going. Um so before you answer this, you have to agree. To help us make it happen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Who is one person we should have as a guest on the Underdog Podcast?
0: Chris Crazy,
2: absolutely. You know what? That is he amazing.
0: Is the best team builder I've ever been around in my entire life. I coached with him at Wallbash and Drake, and he is yeah, absolutely. You would love him, and he'll be awesome.
2: That was the first we just had Coach uh, Jim Tressel on, and that was the first name that came out of his mouth. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was Chris Creighton. I'm telling Um,
0: you, you won't regret it.
2: Perfect. Wow, let's make it happen. I know he's doing good things at uh, Eastern Michigan. So um, good stuff. Well, Coach Allen, we really appreciate it. How can anyone engage with yourself or uh, Indiana football?
0: hey social media you know i just uh to me we're all over it i believe in that i guess where i live where the kids live where the players live and the recruits and their families and so uh that's, to me that's, that's what it's all about you can find me on there at coach allen you know but uh um yeah that that's pretty much where you don't find me other that or in the stadium so
2: <laughs> sounds good love it well if you're ever in cincinnati okay. we're, we're, we're doing a lot of broadcasts on a friday night so if you're, your team's ever over here let us know and Okay. Uh, We'd love to, uh, yeah. Chatterbox. this year. They're coming to,
0: they're coming to our place this year, and then it looks like we're going to their place the following year.
2: So, yeah, yeah, be. we'll we'll probably see you we'll down there. there. My uh, my business partner is, uh, yeah, him and uh, Jay Wilkinson, who's a big donor of yours. They might have might have to have a Jay Todd match off. Hey. You know, we might you have go. to. <laughs> we, we'll host. A, they'll have a one a battle in uh, UC, and then a battle in the Wilkes Center. Well, I'll tell yeah, them both the old, old men to get in shape. We have to have a battle <laughs> off in the, in the weight rooms. But anyway. Thank you, Coach. God bless you and uh, continued success.
0: God bless you too. I appreciate you guys. Awesome being on your show. Have a great day, Elio.
2: All right, Coach. Thank Leo. you, Elio.